power on. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. It is time for some TIE Fighter Renegades. And I know that it's been a little while, but let me assure you, we have a jam-packed, exciting episode. And when I say we, that means me and my man, Robin Freebeard. Robin, man, (laughs) we're back. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's totally on me. Uh, my schedule has been absolutely insane. Actually, what's really happened is I've gone through a complete, like I've just had a total change of heart and have totally fallen in love with Disney to the point that I'm wearing a last Jedi t-shirt. No, I really am wearing a last Jedi t-shirt, but no, I don't love Disney. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we hit the video, Rob just instantly says to me, he says, you know, you usually wear good t-shirts. <laughs> I might've done this on purpose though, but uh, anyway, <laughs> just to constantly throw somebody off. I don't know. We, we, we never share our video of, of these, of these shows, but uh, maybe someday, I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, uh, man, Rob, we have, uh, well, we have a couple stories to get into as far as star Wars. Really? I feel like star Wars has been fairly quiet. I mean, a lot of production has been fairly quiet up until the past couple well, of weeks. Mean- like actual Star Wars news. There's been plenty to talk about in terms of uh, things going on with Star Wars that really have nothing to do with Star Wars. Right. There's a lot of political horseshit, um, certainly, that we could talk about. Um, I mean, there's, you know, what's going on with Gina Serrano, what's going on with whatever. Uh, I mean, there has been the High Republic stuff. In fact, I don't know that I did a a review of of High Republic uh, and the material that has come out thus far. Um, I have read every single stitch of it, but I think we'll have to save that for next time. In fact, really, I kind of feel like I should just because a, I think the comic book we need, it needs to get a couple issues deeper before I can really justifiably say whether it's good or not. And B, I, I think the novel series need, I got to get it one more book in, uh, and we, there is a book coming out, I think in another month or so, um, to really be able to get an idea of where things are going because right now I'm not super impressed with everything. In fact, there's something, I mean, it's good, but it's not great. I don't even know. Good might not even be the best term the, the deeper I've gone so far. So maybe it's best that I give it a little more time, a little more content to come out for high Republic. Then we'll get into a full review on it in a future tie fighter renegades. Um, Rob, I, I know you haven't touched stuff. Have you? No, no. I mean, uh, uh I've watched some, you know, uh, videos on YouTube and mm-hmm. what I'm seeing, I don't like at all. Cause I mean, basically it just comes down to anarchists are bad. The state yeah. is good. Fuck. You, you know? Yeah. Okay. okay. All, right. all right. All right. We're going to take, we're just going to take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There's this fucking phrase in, in the entire high Republic series and it's in the comics. It's everywhere. The novels, it's all over the place where everybody's just constantly saying we are the Republic. And it is the most goddamned annoying thing. I mean, you you cannot imagine how often it gets said. And I know they're trying to just, just you know, Disney's trying to go with, um, you know, so say we all, right, that everybody talks about with BSG or like this is the way from the Mandalorian. And they're just t- they're, they're trying to come up with a catchphrase that everybody will just use um, on social media or maybe people that pretend that they like discovery or, you know, they, they, they think they have the cognitive dissonance that they like discovery. And so they all use hashtag we are Starfleet or something. So they were just trying to come up with like a phrase that, that that's catchy that can be used 
in media and social media. But I mean, it smacks of so much colonialist propaganda. It's horrible. And, and yeah, and then you have the Nihil, which what you said is exactly it. I mean, they really treat it like, Oh, individualism is bad, 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 bad. And well, we'll save it for a further review there. I, I think I kept that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I did good. Brevity's not my strong suit. I think I did. All right. Uh, yeah. So that's coming folks. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Um, but no, we do have some like actual like star Wars production, uh, news and, and, you know, releases happening. Um, so you want to get into it, Rob, you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we'll open it up with, well, I, actually, really, I think they're both good news, uh, believe it or not. Um, the first would be the, uh, we got a, a full trailer and a release date for Star Wars uh, Bad Batch. And Bad Batch is a show, and, and it's, it, is it May 4th? Yeah, I think they're doing on yeah. um, Force mm-hmm. Day. Yeah. Star Wars Day, yeah. Yeah. Um, so May 4th is when it will premiere on... Uh, on Disney plus of course, like, like myself and I'm sure many others, you can watch it elsewhere too. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's coming May 4th and the, the, it was about a two minute trailer that they dropped about a week ago as of this recording in April, uh, 2021. And well, what did you think of the trailer, Rob? I mean, they, they had a trailer before because right. it was probably the thing, you know, that was the furthest along out of all those shows that got announced right. by Kathleen Kennedy back uh, in the end of 2020. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we did get a, a full-on trailer this time, right? What, what were your well, thoughts? We, we learned a lot more in this yep, new that's trailer. that's for sure. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I'm actually pretty excited from what mm-hmm. we're seeing because my biggest worry was is that they were going to stay in the Clone Wars era. And uh-huh. I'm actually glad to see that they're moving past uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith on this. Yeah. So that's that's the, the thing that I'm kind of really the, the most excited about. Because and and well, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about this. You know, the the direction they're going, they could have gone with something a lot more interesting. But you know, the these characters have to be the heroes. So you know, they're 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 not going to be working for the Empire. Yeah. So. Two points. One, that actually disappoints me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was excited when the first trailer dropped that we had Tarkin. I'm like, oh, Tarkin's in it. Great. You right. Know, like this, this should do well. And and he always kind of brings up the game in any of these mm-hmm. animated series. Yes. Yeah. He really raises the bar uh, every time. Just like whenever the emperor shows up, everything, you know, goes up to 11. Um, and I think Tarkin is the same, same deal. But that leads to my second point is that I feel like Disney has had the most success since their acquisition, uh, if not monetarily, certainly in fans' eyes, uh, and even in critics' eyes, I think they've had their most success in that time frame between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Yes. Um, be it Rebels, be it uh, even you know certain novels that, yeah. that take place in that time frame that I think are, including the novel Tarkin, yeah. uh, as well Rogue as the one. novel Thrawn, um, yeah. And rogue one, of course, is probably yeah. the biggest success that Disney has really had, if not in like dollars compared to the sequel trilogy, as far as what everybody actually gives a shit about it's rogue one. Um, right. and, and I think that's also 
partly why, and this is something else that's annoying in all the, not just, and obviously not in High Republic, but in other comics and novels and everything, which I've been reading all of them, folks. Man, the amount of times that Jyn Erso gets referenced, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing Jyn Erso in Bad Batch. I, I, because I feel like what Disney is is thinking is that, oh, people really like this era. And so we're going to you know rush content out that takes place in that era. And that's where right. Bad Batch Because uh, we also sits. have the, uh, the cast in Andor series coming out too. Correct. Correct. Which is also the furthest along of any of the projects um, that, that are going on. And so it, I think they feel like, yeah, this is a winning space minus the Mandalorian. Of course, the Mandalorian is, I would say it's an, it's, it's an odd man out, but clearly it's the best thing that, yeah. that Star Wars is well, doing right now. But yeah, but that that also kind of plays into sort of, you know, classically what what fans love, because you're dealing with, you know, the time period directly after pretty much directly after uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And which, you know, a lot of people refer to now as, you know, the Legends uh, right. uh, era, you know, where you had this is basically in the same, you know, uh, time period that you would have the the original Thrawn novels. Right. And so that is that is a very much beloved, you know, time period in, in Star Wars fandom. Yeah, yeah. I get the sense I think we might end up finding about out more about the um uh the Great Burn. Um, because we we have some idea of when that happened, um, because of the age of you know of the Mandalorian mm-hmm. uh himself. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised if in the bad batch, if there's a bunch of cameos, you don't really get any other than Tarkin. You don't get that sense. I don't feel in the trailer at all, but I, I get, I get the feeling that's, that's going to be a strength um, of the show or, or what they're hoping will be a strength of the show. I mean, to the point that, yeah, maybe we'll see a young Din Djarin. Maybe we'll see Ahsoka. Maybe we'll see, you know, I don't know. I don't think there's right. any reason to hold back right. on anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know Filoni loves having like sort of these, you know, connective strands mm-hmm. between the various projects that he's working on and, uh, and even with stuff outside. I mean, you know, like the rebels did a whole, you know, slew of connections to rogue one, right. uh, prior to that movie coming out, you know, where, uh, yeah. you know, you, you had, uh, um, show up in the show several times. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's character. Yeah. There. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Right. I had a brain fart. Poor gullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah saw Guerrera, who of course was originally in clone wars um, yeah oh and yeah he, yeah he shows up in the bad batch trailer too oh that's right saw is in that yeah, yeah. so yeah. well so all right so the rogue one stuff is apparent and i mean if saw's there of course we know when you read rebel rising we know the relationship somewhat of uh jen Erso with saw Guerrera. um i mean you knew it from rogue one as well but uh, yeah, so I think it's almost a, a guarantee that she's going to be that she'll yeah. be in that. We'll see a very young junior, so with yeah, you know kind which, of tagging along with with Saul Guerrero, which yeah, cool, do it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with it. Like I'm really fine with it. It's just it's just kind of odd. Like boy, if you thought Janerso was so fucking great, why didn't you just keep her alive? You know, so you could keep milking the character. And I don't mean that in any nasty way. Uh, it, it just it, it was there, there was a very. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in. We're doing it live. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, 
Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, speaking of, I mean, because, you know, the character of Generoso was, you know, was incredibly young when she was in, you know, Saw Gerrera's, you know, faction. Yeah. Um, we do get a young character in Bad Batch. This was, so, so overall, I, I mean, I'll second what you said. Overall, I, th I thought that the trailer was good. You know, like, I liked what I saw. I don't really have really, I don't really have misgivings. I have critiques. Um, but. And, and there's, I, I was kind of hoping they'd spend a lot more time in the empire. That's not going to happen. Um, but once they brought in the little kid and, and I get it, I know why they do it because right. they're here to sell toys and, yeah. you know, and whatever else I, I, right. I understand. Um, but the other part that bothered me is that like, look, it's, it's star Wars. It's in the name. They keep giving these little kids like pea shooters literal pea shooters. I mean, like in rebels, Ezra had what had that slingshot right for the first three years. Then finally they gave him a blaster. Cause I guess he grew up enough or something, but there's right. just this oddity that, okay, the adults can have guns, but even though the kids are in the middle of a war too, they can't have guns. And she has like this bow and arrow and like, I, believe me, I am not a fan of guns. Like, like don't, don't, don't misconstrue my position here. I'm just saying that, I, I see that as, 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 as just always odd. And, and, and it, it, I don't know. I feel like it just kind of takes me out of it because it, it kills the, the narrative flow when suddenly like there's a kid there and, and you know, that things start are, are going to get handled gently. And so you can, you can never really go to kind of the, the, the darker places. I don't know. What, what do you got, Rob? I mean, tell me. If I'm I mean, nuts. yeah, it, it, it undoubtedly that's, probably what we're going to get in the first season with this, this kid right. character, you know, right. um, as we've noted before, it, it, eventually the, you know, the character will grow up mm -hmm. and grow out of that phase. Um, but I think because it isn't, you know, an, an animated show that's, you know, that's unfortunately that's the market. And, yeah. you know, that's one of the biggest criticisms people, you know, lay against star Wars animation. This is that quote, you know, a quote kid show. And, mm -hmm. you know, the people who actually watch it and stick with it know that's not true. Right. Or that down the line it changes. Yeah. Unless you're talking about resistance, in which case mm, you might be right about that. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was that just show, a mistake. <laughs> yeah. But that show didn't really, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, either. But A, didn't have a whole lot of time to evolve. And B, didn't really kind of take itself seriously enough to evolve in that way. Right. Right. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like there's this, it, it's, it's this annoying disconnect that ultimately I feel like, and this is getting far more philosophical than I expected with this, but that ultimately I feel like just confuses the fuck out of kids. Like for example, so I watched a movie the other day. I had, I had yet to have seen this. Uh, in fact, I think I had said when it came out, I'm not going to bother. I know it's going to be flaming trash. And it was, um, it was the, uh, uh, birds of prey. Uh, or the, what is it? The fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Okay. So, so I watched this movie and there's this point, like it's an, it's a R rated movie, incredibly violent. I mean, like knees getting broken, people getting, you know, faces getting cut off and all this crap. It's an R rated movie, clearly not quote unquote meant for kids, but then whenever Harley Quinn is going to like shoot up the place she has non-lethal rounds. 
in in her in her gun and it's completely out of place but i totally think that the studio is saying oh no no you know little girls really really like harley quinn we can't turn her into a violent psychopath mm. Yeah. It's like, wait, don't you know the character that Bruce Tim created? Right, right. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> and so it feels like Hollywood kind of wants to have it like both ways. It's like, oh, no, we can only write action because, you know, we're, we're, we're mindless creatives. And that that's an oxymoron, by the way. Um, you know, but, you know, we can't also at the same time tell kids that, okay, you know, violently revolting is okay. And, and it, it, it just, I know it's a small thing, but every time I see it, it just drives me wild. And there was a time, to be clear, in Star Wars even, where it was very different. I mean, you go watch the Ewok movies, little, uh, whatever, the, the, the kids, uh, Sindel's brother there. Right. He had a blaster, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, well, in the second movie, they'd like, you know, they, they pretty much murdered the whole family. Right. Right. I mean, and those were, those are absolutely kids movies. In fact, kids yeah. movies that the only way you could see them, if you weren't even alive when they came out in the eighties on ABC was, was on the Disney channel of all things yeah. back when the Disney channel was paid for. And, um, and I will, I will give credit where credit is due. Uh, Disney plus did finally, you know, release a bunch of quote vintage content. Uh, yeah. For so, Star Wars. So you, right. you can see, you know, the, the, the Ewok movies and the Ewok uh, uh, cartoon show. I don't know why they left out droids. Because That's weird. that was like the pair along, like you, you would watch Ewoks and then droids was like, like right after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, so recommendation, folks. So you, you get to walk away from the show with things you can do. Uh, you can get gorgeous 720p and 1080p versions of the Ewoks cartoon and uh, you can go torrent them. And I mean, they blow away the DVD releases. I mean, yeah. by, you know, 100 to 1. Uh, they are they're, they are stunning. Uh, so definitely go do that. Um, yeah, good, great, great point that that content's available now, but it, it just, I don't know, the, the, this, this little, I know it's a little thing, but, but it, it annoys me very much. Um, I'm, I'm, I get it. I, I mm -hmm. see where you're coming from. Um, I was expecting it to a certain degree, just knowing sure. how these things go. Um, I do have a little bit of hope for the character because okay. it, just me. Uh, doesn't the character kind of look like a new Mandalorian? Uh, it, it very much looks like a Satine. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And we know that, you know, uh, dark things are ahead for that culture mm -hmm. in that, this time period of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think one of the smartest things they could do with this show is attach it to the Mandalorian in some way. Right. You know, right. Uh, and I mean, because so again, I, that's so hot. So yeah, I, I I think there's potential for the character. I I definitely think the first season it's it's definitely it's going to be a, a kid character like mm -hmm. you know very much season one Ezra, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but eventually that you know the we we know that you know, Filoni and crew do have the cojones to go to dark places. That's true. That's very true. Because of course the Clone Wars went into the darkest places. I would argue almost you know than than any part of the series. Right. Um, I mean, it really, really did. Right. Uh, yeah. And and, okay. and and again, like with 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 Tarkin there, kind of hard not to. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and you know, what's amazing. So, I mean, and this is where I get that little glimmer of hope is that actually, cause we've had it in the past on star Wars and Disney star Wars at that where Tarkin has interacted with little kids and it was always like really like creepy and, mm-hmm. and cool. Like, like it was creepy in a well-written way is what I mean by cool. Um, not that creepy is cool. So, and, and it, it worked like he had, yeah. I remember the whole speech he gives about the lure and the lash and, and, and it's, uh, Anyway, I, I, yeah. I so yeah, that so, I can look forward to. So, so my hope is is that unlike Rebels, where he was essentially like a cameo character, and the same with Clone Wars, is that uh, Tarkin remains like a persistent villain throughout this series. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think that's that the biggest boon they can have um, is really like using Tarkin very well, um, because again, I also think that he made, you know, because with Rogue One. I mean, with the original trailers for Rogue One, Krennic looked like he could have been a badass. He ended up not being a badass yeah, at all. Right. Um, and yeah, you had Vader there, but like Tarkin was the one that sold, you know, you, you just knew with Tarkin around, things were not going to go well for the Rebels. Because despite what happens in A New Hope, you've got you've to build up their reputation to, you know, to how feared he is in A New Hope. And, uh, and they delivered on that. And so, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just one of the best villains you could have uh, in, in the show. Yeah. And underutilized. Yeah. Significantly. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that, I think that looks, uh, that, that looks like that's going to be, I don't know. I'm hopeful for it. I, I think this could be a very I good show. Yeah. 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 And the trailer again, minus, you know, the direction they might go and the kid thing. I, it was good. It, it was a good trailer. I dug it. Um, all right. Well, I guess let's move on to our second bit of Star Wars news. And then we got something really special to get into. Um, so this is now we've, we've known that this is kind of, I mean, and certainly with, with the pandemic, it's been sort of off and on, but the Obi-Wan show is on and we finally have a cast, uh, listing for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, and they did say it was going to begin shooting this month. So Deborah Chow was still the head of it, which of course, if you saw her work with the Mandalorian, we know how good she is with star Wars and how she can handle that business. Uh, and I mean, just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so of course we have, uh, Ewan McGregor coming back as, as Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's not a surprise. Um, a lot of news is going around that. And, and this might be while we were on our, our mini hiatus, um, but that, I mean, we did know Hayden Christensen was going to come back as Darth Vader. Uh, so before we get into the rest of the cast list here, and I don't think we have a firm release date at all. Again, production is just starting, so I don't expect it. Um, but Hayden Christensen, how do you feel about him, Rob, coming back, you know, being Darth Vader, doing his thing? I, I think it's overdue uh-huh. and, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, I think over the last few years, like the last five years has really been kind of like a, uh, a new appreciation developing for the, the prequel trilogy. And, um, well, you know, yeah, there was certainly, you know, some aspects of, you know, uh, uh, the Anakin character and the way he behaved in the movies that people found, you know, somewhat annoying that, you know, we, we found out that since then, like, um, it really wasn't because of any bad acting on the part of Hayden Christensen, because this is the way that George not only wrote it, but like the direction that he mm-hmm. was given on set. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I've been a staunch defender even before, and I agree with you on that. Now there's a newfound appreciation for the prequels. Um, I've been a staunch defender of Hayden Christensen's acting well before then. Uh, I think Virgin Territory is a tremendous movie. If any, if no one's seen that, it's a, it's a comedy. It's a it's a, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, he did that movie where oh wait he he did Jumper right. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed that movie. Um, he did that movie where he was like awake while surgery was getting done on him, and he was phenomenal in that. Um, he's a, he's a fine actor, you know, I mean, I'm not going to like put him in Harrison Ford's league or anything like that, but he's a great actor. Right. And, uh, of course in, in revenge of the Sith, he did play Darth Vader in that he did, you know, lace up the boots as it were, um, at one point in there. And yeah, I, I think this is only a good thing. And, and I think he, uh, he's getting, like you said, it's long overdue. It's respect that he really deserves. Um, and I, I love it. And, and in fact, you know, I was still on Twitter when this news came out and I remember things were just incredibly positive on there, uh, yeah. about, about it. And I couldn't be happier, like good, you know, yes. Like give this guy some support. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool. I don't know how it's going to take shape exactly, but I think it's great that he's there. Phenomenal. So, uh, moving on with the, the list, uh, Moses Ingram, um, I'm not familiar with her. Uh, then Joel Edgerton, which Joel Edgerton, that's the guy that played, um, uncle Owen, right? Yeah. 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 So fine. That's great. Um, I think Bonnie peace was that, that was the gal that played Amberu. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, of course all in, um, in episode two, which by the way, I mean, even in star Wars where people complained about Hayden Christensen's acting like that, that scene after he, slaughters the sand people is still one of my top scenes in star Wars. Like I, I thought he sold that, you know, when he's saying, you know, I, I killed them all, not just the men, but you know, the women and children too. Um, I mean, you, you feel it. And the look on his eyes, you know, you got to have something special to look because, because they, they kind of John Williams would hint the Darth Vader theme in the background. Right. And you, you've got to have a little magic to you to be able to, you know, to pull off like, for your acting to match the presence of that music. And he did it. Uh, so, and I know episode two gets panned all the time still to this day, if any of them do. Um, but no, I, I thought that scene alone was, was worth that movie. And, and yeah, his was, acting was great. Go ahead. There was, there was nothing wrong with his acting in that scene. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, if anything, the only thing that, that, that bothered me about that scene is, is Padme's reaction. Yes. Yep. I you know. I thought, I thought that was really kind of understated. Yeah. She's just like, she clearly didn't feel, you know, she did not read the room. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, I don't think you understand. It's like, Oh, it's, it's natural to what? No, 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 no. There's nothing natural here. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, all right. I agree with you there. Uh, her, her reaction was just yeah, not there. Yeah. That didn't work. Uh, anyway. Um, and yeah. Natalie Portman is a fantastic actress. So here yeah, again, is. that's not on her. No, no, no. Cause I, I, I thought she was great as Padme. Um, and she had her moments in that movie as well. You know, I mean like her aggressive negotiation, n- negotiations joke. I thought that landed. I, that, that was hilarious. Um, and I mean, it was a little, little crass for Obi-Wan to be saying, she seems to be on top of things, but eh, whatever. <laughs> but, but Natalie Portman, you, you buy it. It's like, all right. Yeah, no, no. She's the real deal. That's okay. <laughs> uh, um, 
well, moving right along with the cast list, uh, we got a, oh God, how do you say this guy's name? He, he's, he's hilarious from, uh, from Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah. Kumail, uh, Ninjani or Ninjani. I, I feel terrible. That sounds I, right. I, yeah. This guy, like, I, in fact, I love the movie that he did. It was kind of an autobiographical film. Um, he was brilliant in that. I mean, just a, just a fantastic little movie. Um, but he's going to be in it. Uh, of course, we all know how jacked he is now, um, you know, because uh, he's going to be in some Marvel movie, I guess. Um, but uh, he, he's a great actor and can do he can be serious. Like I said, in his autobiographical film, I think Amazon actually made it with him. Um, he, you know, yeah, he's funny, but he can be deadly serious and has tremendous emotional range. Uh, just a just an awesome actor. Uh, so I, I have no problem with him being in it. Uh, then we, and stop me if there's anyone you have thoughts on Rob, but, um, Indira, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, I don't recognize most of these people. I don't either. There's only like maybe five. I don't, so we have a list of 12, maybe half of them. No, not even half. Uh, I don't know them. So like Indira, Indira Varma, no idea. Uh, Rupert friend, maybe, but I don't think I know who that is. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Nope. Um, Soon Kang. Now, this one's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a guy who, in another very famous franchise, played a character named Han. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I thought it was really funny when I saw him on the list. I'm like, oh, wow, Han, we're, we're going to get another Han. <laughs> <laughs> and and actually I'd love it if they gave him the name, like let's normalize the name Han. I think that'd be fine. Uh, you know, in star Wars, just like we have multiple, you know, Brian's and John's and Jane's and whatever, you know, in the real world. Um, but regardless, uh, Soon Kang, he's really cool. He's just got a, got a really cool is the word. He has such a cool look, uh, when you watch him and he, his first fast and furious movie was Tokyo drift. Um, but then he ended up actually, I, so like his character, spoiler alert, his character died in later movies, but I think he's coming back in nine, if I remember. So this guy, I guess, is on a bit of a resurgence with his acting career and good for him for getting into uh, Obi-Wan. Those really are comic book movies, aren't they? Oh, Fast and Furious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're the only real comic book movies out there. Right. Comic book I movies mean, aren't about know, comic like, books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if characters die and come back, like, you know, pretty regularly, that's that, that, that's that's a sure sign of a a comic book movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Uh, I mean, I love those movies to death. Uh, and, and, and it is just that those, those are real superhero films. Um, now what Marvel and DC puts out, those aren't superhero films, but fast and furious are, I don't know what Marvel puts out, but anyway, uh, moving right along, <laughs> uh, Simone Kessel. That's a pretty good name to have in, uh, for a right. star Wars actress. Right. Um, Let's run with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zinger. <laughs> but, um, How many parsecs? How many parsecs? Uh, so <laughs> then we have uh, uh, Benny Safdie. Oh, I, I probably did not pronounce half those names right, and mm. I'm sure that'll happen as I, you know, go and actually. You know, as the show comes out and I might watch like some making specials or like some Disney galleries around the production of the show. Um, no, I apologize. I'm not going to go and watch some dumbass YouTuber, 
you know, talk about all this stuff and give their, you know, whatever crap that they want to spew out just so I can hear how their names get pronounced correctly. You know, anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) moving on. Uh, I mean, the look of the cast is fine. The people that I know, I think are great. Like every one of them, everybody in this list that I know, I think they're great. Uh, how do you feel about this cast list at all, Rob, even though I know you're not familiar with most, like I said, I'm not that that's just it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm more, you know, excited about the talent behind the show, which yes. I think, you know, is, is, it's going to be phenomenal and definitely, you know, with, with such a iconic character, mm-hmm. you know, headlining the show, you know, the name being the name of the show, what it's all about. Um, you know that they're not going to like skimp on this in any way, you know, it's going to yeah. have sort of, you know, the, the financial backing that it needs to look right. really good. Yeah. So, you know, and it's a funny point that you bring up because I feel like star Wars, and it's not just because you and I are really into star Wars because we're really into lots of things. But Star Wars is probably the franchise where I pay the most attention to who's behind the camera as much as I pay attention to who's in front of it. Um, And I think that really comes down to because of who for decades was behind the camera in Star Wars, we had full confidence in whether it's John Knoll, Dennis Murin, you know, Ben Burt, George Lucas himself and so on. You know, and we, and we know all those names because Star Wars was so fucking awesome. Like you, you wanted to know who's in it. And now I feel like you really want to know, well, who's behind it now? Because that's going to matter. And, and it has been, especially with a lot of the, shall we say, civil wars going on uh, within Lucasfilm, it seems, um, you know, there's, you know, your own stories around all the people behind the camera uh, as well. But it's important for Star Wars, I think, to have confidence-inducing names behind the camera as much as it is in front. I think you raise an excellent point um, with that. So, yeah, I mean, this looks good. I agree. I think, you know, I don't really see them going wrong. In fact, Ewan McGregor has only gotten better with time. Um, In fact, that, that Harley Quinn movie I mentioned earlier, he plays kind of the villain in that. And he steals the show. I mean, he's, he's brilliant in it. Uh, definitely the best thing in the movie and he's having the time of his life. And I hope he has the time of his life making Obi-Wan. I mean, I assume you're incredibly excited for this show. Yeah. I mean, understand that, um, you know, back in, you know, the, the, the late Mm nineties when episode one was in production, you know, like that was one of the most exciting things was the casting of McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, because he did like, like, you could just see it like you didn't even have to like, you know, uh, see him, you know, in costume before you could buy that. He could pull off Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, and do the accent and, and just have the look. Yeah. And it was totally on presence because really the only thing he had more or less made at the time was train spotting, which was great for what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he wasn't like an unknown actor, but he also wasn't a known actor, you know? And, but I agree with you. I never heard any, you know, and, and I know we've brought this up many times. No one's ever complained about you and McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Cause he's just that good. So yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think that's probably why half the reason why this series is getting made mm-hmm. is because, you know, Ewan McGregor's, you know, involvement in it just kind of like automatically brings it up to 10, you know? Yes. No, I agree with you completely on that. Uh, so yeah, 
you know, this is ultimately, I would say, just more great news um, about this show. Uh, I don't see anything here worrisome. Like I say, even though I don't know yeah. all the actors, um, nothing and, that bothers me. The, the the other thing that I like the the one thing that I kind of take away from this this uh, cast list is is that because it is such a large cast, you know, um, I I think there's some hope that the series will will not just be confined to Tatooine. Aha. Oh, they're going to have to go places to bring in yeah. all these people. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we have Darth Vader in it, right? Like right. now we have confirmation that, I mean, right. everybody was speculating that that's what it was going to have to be. And people are trying to twist, you know, lines in episode four for right. what does that really mean? Uh, like what well, does last time we it, that mean? Go ahead. Uh, yeah. But it also gives it the opportunity to move around in time too. Mm -hmm. Star Wars hasn't done a whole lot of, and you know, which, you know, I think they could definitely take advantage of in the show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, yeah. also, you know, Go ahead. Yeah, if, if they if they want to give us like you know scenes from you know uh, you know during the prequel eras of you know incidents and, and interactions that we didn't get to see in the movies, fantastic, do it. Yeah, I mean we have ironically, Last Jedi, like the T-shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> as horrible as that movie was, uh, it did really introduce the concept of the flashback in right. in Star Wars. Um, so there's precedence for that now, and I wouldn't mind it. If they want to rock some de-aging technology on Ewan McGregor, give us a, a surprise scene with Liam Neeson, you know, uh, it, it wouldn't there. Even, honestly, it wouldn't even have to do that much. I mean, he, he, right. neither him or Hayden Christian really look a whole lot older. Oh, Hayden Christensen's like DiCaprio. I feel like, I mean, yeah. he's just like, you know, he's the immortal boy. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, he <laughs> does, he does look a little bit more mature, but I, at sure. the same time, they were kind of making him look boyish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that he could grow up, you know, progressively yeah. through the films. Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I, I'm, I love that idea of us getting flashbacks. Uh, again, I think this speaks to what we were talking about during the bad batch conversation and that Disney's clearly playing it. You know, they know where their hot time frame is. It's between Revenge of the Sith and the New Hope, and they're playing that one more time. Um, so not not a surprise uh, by any means. And again, you know, we I'm kind of hoping because, you know, that whole great burn thing, I'm still dying to know more about this, you know, from the Mandalorian. And so, like, it'd be interesting if there's even just like background information mm -hmm. in all of these shows that take place during the time frame that that may have happened. Uh, that make it the most interest or, you know, that, that, that would really like flesh that out, give us a bigger universe and make things interesting as we go into, well, I mean, you know, we're, as far as I know, book of Boba Fett is still on track. Mandalorian right. season three is still happening. Right. Um, so yeah, build up, you know, I mean, and, they, and they, background. you know, they've, they've announced all these shows yeah. you know, officially, you know, uh, who knows how, you know, Rangers of the new public is going to turn out without Gina Carano. But yep. uh, we haven't been told that it's been canceled. So, you know, there's a plan. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, you know, you got a lot of opportunity here to build up a character. Maybe that could, you know, be right. in that and be in some and of it, these future shows. It's it's not like the, the, the Ryan Johnson trilogy of movies, which was never truly announced right. or given a title of any kind. You know, mm -hmm. all these shows have like like been officially announced and been given titles. Yeah, and we we actually know what they're about, kind of, right. right. you know, which is also <laughs> more than we've gotten, you know, than than any most of these announcements that we've gotten in the past few years, um, which is 
nice to actually have an idea like that acolyte show can't wait like i'm, I'm very intrigued yeah, to learn yeah, more about absolutely. that yeah absolutely yeah yeah ahsoka i mean like yes yeah obviously <laughs> <laughs> bring it on yeah uh yeah so you know we got a couple shows here really that we're talking about that i i i'm excited for both bad batch and obi-wan uh bring them on and even andor i'll you know I'm, I'm good for that too i know that's that's hot on the heels yeah yeah um so it, it would it would be nice to have something that's and and you know obviously we're looking forward to all these you know uh, shows coming out because it'd be nice to have something to talk about in terms of you know Disney Star Wars that mm-hmm. is not dealing with the uh, you know internal politics of Lucasfilm right because I mean you listen really, to most Star- go ahead anytime any of that stuff you know gets out into the news and 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 uh, it, it's it's just diminishing the franchise in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and actually, like, so something purposeful here in the show notes, if you notice, the two links are both official Lucasfilm Star Wars links. Like, I am so tired of the news industry overall just peddling shit. You know, I don't want to link to The Verge. I don't want to link to, you know, go down the list of them uh, any longer, you know, for for their stories, really. Uh, you know, we'll, we can stick more to the official announcements because everything else is, you know, a lot of hearsay and whatever else. And, oh, my insider. So take this with a grain of salt. It's like, well, how about, you know, I pour water on you and you flow away like salt or something. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just drives me insane. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, um, I hear you. You know, it, and it would be good to actually talk about Star Wars and not fucking Lucasfilm politics uh, so much. So even though I know people love it when we talk about that kind of crap, um, regardless, we don't always love it. No, no, no. I'd much yeah. rather be talking about how cool this character was and, and all right. that. That, that, that's what I started doing this show for. It had nothing to do with, you know, wanting to talk about what Kathleen Kennedy is doing versus, um, you know, whoever. So anyway, um, anything else on bad batch or Obi-Wan? No, looking forward to both. Yeah, same, same. Uh, let, let's, yeah, I, I can't wait for them to come out and we're going to be reviewing them as they, uh, as they do. So, but now, <laughs> not to say we're above talking politics, folks, we're not. But <laughs> uh, we just don't do it for clicks. <laughs> so, um, for now, let's, uh, we, so actually, speaking of YouTubers that, 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 aren't flaming piles of shit and then that are just peddling nonsense. Uh, recently, in fact, Rob, I think you shared it. You shared it in the sovereign tech telegram group. Uh, there is a, a YouTube channel that I've enjoyed from time to time called Trexpertise. Yes. And, uh, this guy did a, a video where he did, he did a breakdown. It was like 20 minutes where he did a breakdown of his, you know, like he did a ranking of his favorite star Trek movies in his favorite Star Trek shows in order. And it was, it was very well done. I loved what he had to say. Uh, in fact, you know, spoiler alert, his number one, uh, I think his number one was Star Trek, the motion picture. It is. Yeah. And I mean, folks, you got, you know, don't want to bury cause, cause basically Rob and I are going to do the same thing here. You know, I mean, because I know I've done it in the past, but my opinions may have changed in the past few years. And Rob has never gotten his out as many times as I've done Star Trek rankings on like bonus content and everything else. I thought it'd be a lot of fun to, to, to have the back and forth conversation on this and to hear Rob's thoughts. 
Um, because I think actually Rob has a, has much better taste than I do, but <laughs> I don't know about that, but you know, <laughs> no, you do, <laughs> so, but, but that's, uh, that's besides the point. <laughs> no, it is the point, but, uh, anyway, um, it was really refreshing to see that. And I felt because, you know, for him to say, Star Trek, like growing up, I had been hearing my whole life at conventions, even in, like within my own family and at school and whatever about, oh, Star Trek, the motion picture is the worst one. Oh, all the odd numbered uh, Star Trek movies suck. And, you know, but Star Trek, the motion picture is so fucking boring. But he actually came out, said exactly what I've been saying for years on Sovereign Tech, that no, Star Trek, the motion picture is actually the most Star Trek of any Star Trek, you know, a TV show, movie, whatever. Like it is the most uh, clear presentation of the dream as it were. And that, that's the point that he made. And I'm like, Oh, fuck, someone else fucking, you know, saw what I saw. Now that doesn't necessarily have to make it one's favorite. And, and really, even if it was like number three or four for him, but he still made that claim. I would have just loved hearing that claim that no, like, you know, this is star Trek. And, or at least this is Gene Roddenberry's vision. I shouldn't say this is Star Trek. Star Trek can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So, yeah, uh, I, I love this, this ranking that he did. And I was like, yeah, it'd be, you know, Rob, let's, let's get behind the mics and let, let's, let's do our own. And we, you know, we had a little bit of Star Wars news to get into, but we, we like to open things up and get into science fiction in general, among other things on this show. And so I thought it'd be a lot of fun to, to get into a ranking and I'll invite uh, you know, listeners of this show, listeners of Sovereign Tech, anybody, you know, if like if you're in the Telegram group or even if you want to email me questions at SovereignTech.com, if you want to send me your ranking, we can, you know, we can bring that up and cover it in the next episode. I'm open to that and I'll remind it at the end of the, as we go through our ranking. So I was wondering, Rob, like how to go about this because our rankings are actually pretty different. I think yours is the most interesting uh, <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> Like, like when I saw your list earlier, I just, you know, we were talking and I was just like, that's bold. <laughs> that's all I could say. Because, like, wow, man, that, those choices. Um, so tell you what, all well, right, I mean, like go ahead. consider considering like, you know, uh, like you've mentioned, you've, you've kind of done your ranking before sure. on uh, sovereign track or, or w any other program. And yeah. like, arguably like, I mean, you say that your 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 opinions may have changed, but like the the your list looks pretty much close to what I imagined your list looking like, right? And um, I mean, we we already know what's at number one for you. Yeah, you've already kind of already you've said already, it. Already, you've already yeah. said it. Um, a lot of people would argue that you know that is a bold choice. That's and, true. Yeah. So I mean, you know. All right. Well, so here, this is what we'll do. We'll give the listings. We'll give mine, we'll give yours. And then I think we're going to go down yours and okay. like, and we'll react to yours. Okay. I, I think, I think that's, that, that's going to be the best way or the most interesting way to go about this because your choices, like I said, are, are quite bold. <laughs> so, uh, so here we go. So here, here's, we'll, we'll do the movies first. Um, here's my movie list and we got them in, it's 13 total. So we are including the, the, uh, the, the Kelvin timeline. We're including Jar Jar Abrams or JJ Abrams, uh, his, his, you know, his, uh, his movies here. So we have number 13, Star Trek Nemesis, which I'll actually bring up here. That's both of our numbers 13. Yeah. So yeah. do you want we'll to talk do about this? 
you want to you want to go into it now? And, yeah, like you just want to go back and forth. Well, let, 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 we'll just run it. We'll run it through very quickly. Okay. And then, okay. And then, then, then we'll, we'll, well, that's we'll what I meant. It's just yours. like run it through really quickly. Like you say you're number 13. I say my number 13. And then. Yeah. Oh, yes. Know. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So, uh, so number 13 was Star Trek Nemesis for both of us. Number 12 for me was Star Trek Into Darkness. Now, what was your number 12? My number 12 is Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. That's fucking insane. But <laughs> <laughs> And I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> that's, that's that's madness. <laughs> uh, okay, number eleven. <laughs> Save the comments for later. Number eleven for me was uh, Star Trek two thousand nine. Uh, you know that being the, um, you know that that being the the first J.J. Abrams movie that came out in two thousand nine. What was your number eleven? Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay, uh, my number ten, Star Trek Beyond. You're number 10 beyond as well. That's kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) So there's some, there's some, you know, crossover here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Okay. And then my number nine was star Trek five, the final frontier. Your number nine, uh, star Trek 2009. So the first of the JJ movies. Yeah. And, and just quick, I wouldn't argue too much that people think that's the best of the JJ Abrams films. Like I, I can understand where people are coming from on that. Um, all right, number eight for me was Star Trek First Contact. Number eight for Rob? Star Trek Insurrection. All right. <laughs> just, let, just hear me just out, keep going. okay? Yeah. All right, I, we'll get to it. My number seven uh, was actually Star Trek Insurrection. Your number seven was? First Contact. So we just basically <laughs> have we have seven and eight reversed. All right, all right. Well, that's going to make for a good conversation. Why did one think one was better than the other? Um, my number six, which is where this movie belongs, is, mm, is Star Trek mm. Generations. <laughs> What's your number six? six? Is uh, Star Trek Six: The Other Discovered Country? I see. Now that's kind of it has nice symmetry to it. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, my number five is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Your number five? And Star Trek: The Motion Picture. More madness. Uh, my number four is uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Your number four, Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. It's amazing how that happens for you. Uh, <laughs> so, then my number three is Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. Your number three, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. I think that's totally fair, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, my number two is Star Trek III: The Search for Spock. Your number two. Is Star Trek three, the search for Spock. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, that's the one that I think could be number one on anybody's list. And I, I totally hear them out. Uh, so I'm not surprised by that happening. Now, my number one, like I said earlier already was Star Trek, the motion picture. Your number one, you haven't uttered these three words yet. So I'm going to let you utter them now. Go for it. Uh, unabashedly Star Trek generations. Unabashedly. He even added in another word. <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, all right <laughs> okay um star trek generations we're going to talk a lot about that movie in this i think because <laughs> actually i have a lot of comments on that and why it's number six for me like and and it being number six for me is a big compliment really um and i'll explain why but let's start going wow. down to 13 no, it really is. I mean, massive compliment. And and we'll explain it when we get to number when we get to number one for you. I'll I'll, okay. I'll get into why. Um okay, so let's go with uh Star Trek Nemesis. Let's talk about that. That's both of our number 13. Yeah. 
for very um, good reasons. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's as bad as everybody says it is. And in fact, Trexpertise. Oh, wow. All right. Well, Trexpertise even said something that, that I've said about this movie in the past, that the deleted scenes are actually really good. And if they put them in, some of the deleted scenes are the most human moments of the movie, which is what this movie is missing a lot of, uh, is like the, the next generation characters acting like next generation characters, right? which is probably the biggest argument against it that I agree with. So um, give me your breakdown. Trek's prestige and his, you know, ranking uh, mentioned, you know, one particular scene that he wanted taken out of that movie. And that okay. was the, uh, you know, the, the joyride in the, um, the, whatever you called that, you know, oh, in the Argo. Yes. Yeah. The Argo. Yeah. Yep. Right. And, and I don't have too much disagreement, but I actually have a scene in this movie that to me is just, abominable and doesn't belong in any star trek and that's the the psychic rape scene uh between shinzon and Deanna troy uh that should not have happened should not be in that movie should not be in any star trek movie Mm. i mean star trek's dealt with that like next gen i feel like is kind of dealt with that or maybe maybe i'm thinking of a voyager episode or something but uh i don't feel like they've done it like that so that bad. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm going to say, I agree with you because I remember an episode of Voyager where they played up in like the radio spots. So this is back when Voyager was actually on cause radio mattered. Um, where seven of nine kept saying this line, he violated me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they were playing it up like it was a rape. But like when you watch the episode, it, it really kind of wasn't that. And it was clearly for, it was just trying to be like, it was marketing. And, and I think using rape for marketing is deplorable and disgusting. And, and, and also like, yeah, I don't know that that should be a part of like Star Trek necessarily. So, so I'm, I'm kind of with you here. Um, yeah. What do you, well, what not, do you got? Not only that is sort of like, I, I remember that, that episode in particular and, and it definitely does not play very well today mm-hmm. uh, with kind of sort of like, <sighs> It, 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 it certainly brings you to, to like, if, if somebody was of the op- uh, opinion that, you know, you should immediately question any woman every time, anytime she makes a claim of rape, mm-hmm. um, you know, that would definitely play into that kind of attitude, which I don't agree with at all. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that, so I'm with you on that. I thought that that was like just a, a cheap play and, and I get it like writers have always, or they claim they always, they've always had a hard time writing drama around Deanna Troy. That wasn't like necessarily tropey, but guess what? This is kind of tropey. Um, like you basically had to, okay, how do we create drama around a female character? Have her get raped. And it's like, I mean, yes, that's, that's absolutely a thing and a problem, but like, could you get more creative? Could you give her like something? I I don't know. I I always feel like there was, there was never really any kind of, you know, like, yeah, of course the, the, the character, the Shinzon dies in the movie, but there weren't really any consequences mm-hmm. to that, you know, happening. And there wasn't really like, you know, um, I don't feel like that, that there was enough reaction, you know, to, to this happening from the other, I mean, like, you know, like the, the, personally I would have, you know, had, you know, Riker just be, completely outraged and, you know, throw logic to the side and, and, and want to kill this character. 
oh, I, I think Riker should have instantly, I mean, you just got married. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. if, if I were Riker, frankly, I would have called up the manual control, had that big stick come up in the middle of the bridge, and I would have rammed the fucking, uh, you know, the, the Simtar. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. speed, here we go. <laughs> you know, I would have pulled an Admiral Holdo on it. And uh, yeah, like madness. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. So, I mean, but that, that kind of plays into the whole problem of the film is that, or my opinion is that none of these characters, and we know that like they brought in a director who was not familiar with the next generation. You ran into that. You let Patrick Stewart have creative control, which now we know is an absolute mistake. Um, right. Thank, thanks Picard, uh, right. or Star Trek Picard. Well, but, um, and not only that, like, you know, the, 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 the way that they killed off data was not the worst way to kill off data. It's the, the fact that, you know, like there's some fan fiction now where they've completely undone that. Mm -hmm. And not only that, like the character that they created with B4 really wasn't all that interesting. It wasn't up to par to what you would expect from even a failed, you know, Sung Android experiment. Right. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, like I said here again, in later fan fiction that, you know, they, they kind of shuffle that off to being that character to being just body parts in a drawer. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a huge waste. So, I mean, yeah, this, this, this movie failed in my, in, in, in what it was trying to accomplish back then. And it fails in even being recognized today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a horrible send off. And it will speak to something I'm going to bring up a little bit later, probably when we talk about Star Trek generations about Star Trek next generation films in general, but I'll save that for that. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't mind a darker tone. I don't have the issue with it being darker. That's fine. I like having, you know, a little bit of fresh flavor in, in Star Trek. Uh, but yeah, the characters just, you know, that's the one thing I, I definitely don't yeah. like about it, is the characters. Well, acting the thing like the is, is there's, there's a way to do that and to treat, you know, that darker material with, with, with the, you know, the gravity that yeah. is, is that it really deserves. Yeah. And we'll talk about this later, but you know, there's, there's a Star Trek show in particular that, you know, does this very well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, I know which one you're going to bring up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Burr. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right, well, let's go to number 12, shall we? Um, I, yeah, I think actually, I think most people would see nemesis, uh, as probably the worst Star Trek movie. Uh, well, in fact, it was interesting I, because Trek's prestige put it at number eight. Which I thought that was, was weird. Like, that was madness. That to me, you talk about madness in my yeah. list. That was madness. Yeah. That, 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 that was weird. Uh, I mean, and you gotta be something special to be like worse than, than the Kelvin timeline movies. Not that I think that they're that bad, but Okay. So, well, anyway, uh, while, while we're talking about madness here, let's go to number 12, uh, <laughs> number 11, wait, well, no, we didn't, we didn't get into number 12, star Trek five. Oh, that's uh, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, I just so, wanted to skip it because I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to Highlander to it. Holy fuck. <laughs> well, maybe one day we'll get a renegade version. It'd be nice. Uh, cause we do know that William Shatner had much bigger plans than, than what actually ended up on the screen, but regardless, uh, yes, it is star Trek five, the final frontier, uh, the, the, the film helmed by the man himself, uh, that being William Shatner. Why is this number 12 for you? <laughs> it's just not very good. 
I mean, it, it comes off as, as being a really low-budget Star Trek production in every way. It is low-budget, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, it's just the, 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 the casting uh, uh, of Spock's brother. I, I, oh, it would have been still, awesome if they got Sean Connery, but yeah, you know, there was yeah, a scheduling yeah, issue. But that was yeah. the original idea. Yeah. Right. Well, that 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 would have been amazing. But I, yeah. uh, you know, if 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 the the sets on on you know the movie are any indication, there's the, it wasn't so much a scheduling issue that but they couldn't afford them because this right. movie looks terrible. It doesn't look like the Enterprise. Yeah, the the effects are bad. I can admit that because they went they went cheap. They wouldn't hire ILM, uh, and they learned their lesson after this um, because that wouldn't happen again. Until Star Trek Insurrection, actually, I think they they didn't hire ILM for that either. Um, granted, you know, Sean Connery was in Highlander too, so I don't know if he would have saved this movie. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, but no, I, I think that would have been better. But like, you don't feel. I mean, I think the the scene where Kirk gets in Cybok's face about needing his pain, um, the 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 camping scenes. I will agree that the camping scene was, was great. Yeah. I, uh, I, I will not argue that. Yeah. I, I think some of, I mean, yeah, the gravity boots are kind of stupid, but I, I think there's just some of the, I, I think there's comedy gold as well as uh, yeah. moral gold as it were in this film that, that, that puts it that, that I, where I can't rank it this far back. I mean, I I'll admit it's the worst of the original series films. There's, there's no question in my mind about that. Um, there's, there's just, like I said, there, for me, there's too much that it's, it's, it's a little too low budget looking. It's way too hammy in my opinion. What does God need with a starship? That's you know, you best see, lines that, that, in history. It, I, I agree. But the thing <laughs> is, is God looks like a floating head of stupid. Ironically. I mean, and, 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 and granted, you know, I mean, that's, that's. It looks like Zardoz. <laughs> we should have had Sean Connery there. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> no, I hmm. I hear you. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. That, um, that that scene should have played out with here again way more gravity than than it did. And which they, it came, wanted it, right, but it came yeah. off is looking humorous, and that's that's what I don't like. This is that yep. the in this movie when it tries to be funny, it really isn't that funny. There's mm-hmm. some funny moments, but most of the time when they're trying to be being funny, it doesn't land. And the rest of the time when they're not trying to be funny, it's kind of hokey. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I hear people's arguments against it. Um, I don't, I don't feel it's as bad as most people say, but there's just so many great, there, there, are, there are just like these, these pockmark moments in it that are just some of the best Star Trek ever that, yeah, it, it keeps me from ranking it this far back, but I hear where you're coming from. I so, mean, to be fair, uh, 11 and 12 for me might be interchangeable. It, right. It, just the only thing that the, the next one has is production value. Sure. Well, let's go into number 11 then. And that is Star Trek Into Darkness, which was my number 12. Um, right. So we're pretty close on this one. Yeah. Yeah, um, this is the worst of the Kelvin movies with by a long shot. I mean, yes, it's, I agree. Like, it's several times worse than the other two outings. Yep, I, I agree with that. I still enjoy this film, but you tell tell me about it, Rob. Like, why, why don't you? <laughs> um, it's just an overly predictable remix mm. of The yeah. Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And 
uh, I think anytime that you're 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 trying to uh, tread over previously you know covered material like that, it's it's especially in a big motion picture, it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, have some fucking originality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think who really makes this movie for me is Peter Weller um, as Admiral Marcus. Like he's oh he's great. Yeah, he's, um, he's fucking awesome, yeah. and I'm glad he got he's, to do more Star Trek, too. But right. Go ahead. He's great in anything he's doing. I mean, like, I, speaking of Peter Weller, there's this fantastic television show, science fiction television Odyssey show. Odyssey 5? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I, yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like pumping like, my fist he, over here. Most people haven't heard of this. I'm not surprised Brian knows it, because he does have good taste, despite <laughs> what he says. But, yeah, like, most people don't know it. Like, go and go and seek this show out. Like the ending is is a tragedy that they left the series off the way that they did. But the ride is so good. Yes. Yeah. It's it was a Showtime show. So it's uncensored. It's all that. Um, That's what initially, you know, young teenage me was was into for wanting to watch it. But Peter Weller was there. And so I'm like, well, Buckaroo Banzai's on. Let's go. And the the cast in that show was fantastic. The premise was amazing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and that was the thing too, because I mean, yeah, we did get we did get Peter Weller actually in Enterprise before this, before Into Darkness came out. Right. Um playing a but, very similar sort of character. Right. But like the 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 history of or the the, the crossover between Buckaroo Banzai and Star Trek is when you see it, you can't unsee it any further. And it's not just the fact that the Excelsior's dedication plaque has a Buckaroo Banzai quote on it, you know, no matter wherever you go, there you are. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I loved that. And and that had me excited when the movie was coming out. It's like, Oh shit, Peter Weller, here we go. You know, Buckaroo's got to be in it. And anyway, I don't know. I, I think this movie, it, it is just a remix. You're right. And it was predictable. It was incredibly predictable. And in fact, it really taught us to never touch, to trust JJ Abrams because he completely lied about yeah. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, character. Right. Um, and Benedict Cumberbatch is not a bad actor. No. But he does not do this movie any justice. Yeah, and, and I do think it was a it was kind of a raw deal to make Khan a white guy. Uh, yeah. You know, like that. As to where originally, like in Space Seed, they played it off with a very historical flair that I thought worked. Right. Um, that, 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 was, that was kind of odd. I mean, yeah, having Ricardo Montalban playing, you know, Persian character is kind of weird too. I get that. But well, like this was just flat out, you know, almost a whitewashing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's totally fair to say that. Um, cause there are mm-hmm. plenty of Persian actors out there. Yeah. That would have done great, uh, with this. I mean, sure. It would have, you know, revealed the hook, but well then I don't know, do something different. You didn't have to make them white guy, you know? So anyway, but Cumberbatch was fine. I don't know. It, it, it worked for me. I liked it. And I, I did think that if, if the Kelvin timeline continued on, you could have done some interesting things with cons people, you know? And so that happens for me a lot. A lot of times I think, well, what could be, and right. that'll make me like something more than perhaps it deserves, which is part of the reason I say Rob has better taste than I. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Okay. So it, it's the worst of the, of the Kelvin timeline, but then let's go on to number 10 to what I consider to be the best of the Kelvin timeline. Rob thinks the 2009, you know, edged it out at least. Uh, 
But it's interesting that we both had Star Trek Beyond at number 10. Uh, tell right. me about why, for you, why is this at number 10? Is it because it's a bad film, a blah film, a great film? No, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, okay. Uh, it, it's a great popcorn film. I don't know that it's necessarily really good Star Trek, but it was in, it's, in, it's entertaining. It is very entertaining. I agree with you on that. Um, I, th- I think it's the, it feels the most like, like original Star Trek. And that's why I consider it the best of the Kelvin timeline films. Okay. Um, and, and really that's it. And also it did like, they really tried very hard and not just in stupid discovery ways where they like mention a name or something. Um, they tried really hard to connect this like with enterprise. Right. Uh, which they I did, did throughout like the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Yeah. With the, with but, the Mako. Right. Right. And, you know, the Zindi war, like they talked about that. I thought the Franklin right. was a really cool design. Um, I dug a lot of that stuff. And I, and like the Yorktown is that station is gorgeous. Like what a great yeah. set. Yeah. Uh, was- and the music boy, Michael Giacchino's score is top notch in this one. I mean, just awe inspiring. Um, and then the inclusion of the beastie boys wasn't bad either. Uh, even though I know some people disagree on that, but yeah, I, I, I like this film a lot. It felt the most like Star Trek, uh, to me out of the bunch. So, but, but go ahead. What, what else do you have on Star Trek beyond? I mean, you're completely fair in saying that, you know, uh, uh, Star Trek 2009 just barely edged it out. Um, right. I catch me on a different day and these two could be interchangeable for me. Okay. No, that, 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 that's fair. That's fair. So, well, let's go to, let's go to the other one then, uh, with number nine, uh, the, the Star Trek uh, 2009 film, which for me was at number 11. So not, not too different. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like, let me ask you this, you know, you can tell me what you liked and disliked about the film, but let me ask you this. Do you, and I know we've talked about this in previous TIE Fighter Renegades. There's a theory that basically the reason why Star Trek 2009 was such a big hit was because it was actually Star Wars. Like it was Star Trek, but you know, it was, it was like Star Wars in, in wolf's clothing or something or, or, you know what I mean? In sheep's clothing. Um, do you feel like that's accurate that JJ Abrams was just, you know, he got offered star Trek, but he really wanted to make a star Wars movie. And so he made a yeah, star Trek. Movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, 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 it's, I remember hearing that criticism, you know, back in 2009. Um, mm-hmm. It's really weird hearing that now considering what he did with star Wars, because mm-hmm. this movie is so much better than any of his star Wars movies. I great point. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find myself agreeing with it too. Like that, it does feel star Warsy and it, it does feel like very apocalyptic, you know, which is a kind of a touchstone for, for JJ Abrams. I, I will tell you what I really like about this movie and what really works for me is this is that it is, not just entertaining, but it is a emotionally engaging in a way that feels earned. Unlike mm-hmm. some other show that we won't, you know, bring up where it's trying to constantly have some sort of emotional impact and it just doesn't feel like it's earned at all. Whereas I think this movie from the very beginning, it engages you on both a visual and an emotional level. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I gotta say this. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also the, the casting, I, I really think like worked on every level Yeah. Uh, in this and like, particularly Carl Urban, 
was was a fucking revelation uh is dr mccoy i mean it's amazing how good he was <laughs> yeah i mean that's the other thing too is this is a really great character movie yes yes bingo absolutely uh i mean it's ironic because it's kind of an origin film but at the same time it's not because you already know all these characters right. really so well right well, that was the, that was the other thing too. Is, is you know we'd always heard about Kirk's time in Starfleet, but this mm-hmm. is, we're seeing it here for the first time, mm-hmm. and you know it's a, obviously a slightly different twist on it because it's a different timeline, a different universe. But right. at the same time, it's kind of like it's kind of nice to get a view in on some of these classic you know moments, where it's you know like, and and actually in a way that makes sense because you know uh, Kirk cheated on the Kobayashi Maru test yep. and in the, you know, the main timeline, the prime timeline, um, it just sounds like there were never any consequences to him cheating. Like he, he literally got a commendation yeah, for, for original, original thinking. thinking. <laughs> right. Whereas like if you're thinking like, like the real world, when you cheat on a test, that's not what happens. No, <laughs> yeah. no you get expelled. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Which he nearly was. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, so would you say like, now, I mean, the reason why I think this is so far back is because it's hard for any of the Kelvin timeline films to really match, you know, most of the prime timeline movies, you know? Right. So, so are you saying that, do you feel like this was a good movie? Yeah, I think it was a good movie. I don't hear again. I think that I said from the very beginning, I don't know if it's a good Star Trek movie, but it's a good Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. I, I I find it to be like entertaining, like over and over and over again. Yeah. And I, I do give it a lot of credit for like, they really, really worked hard to make this fit in the canon, even though it's an alternate universe, they explain why we get Leonard Nimoy, you know, uh, right. and it's something else I loved in Star Trek beyond. Holy shit. When, when Zachary Quinto pulls out the picture of the original cast from Star Trek five, by the way, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> when they pull out that photo, uh, I thought that was awesome. Like, I mean, yeah. tear jerking moment. I, I really, uh, I really wish that that, you know, had been Leonard Nimoy's last appearance in Star Trek. In Beyond, do you mean? Or in, uh, no. in 2009? Oh, that's right. In Beyond is where they, but I'm, I'm talking about like, yeah, I wish he had not been in Into Darkness. Right. You know, when, when they have the parting scene where, 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 um, you know, Kelvin Spock meets, you know, uh, prime Spock. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that had been the send off for the character. I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that as much as, you know, give me all the Leonard Nimoy we can get. Um, I'm with you on that, uh, that I think that would have been a much better send off because it, I don't know, it was kind of shoehorned in, in, uh, in into darkness. Right. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, I agree. I, th- I think it's a, it's a very good movie. Um, and I probably out of the Kelvin timeline movies, it's the one I've watched the most. Uh, I mean, I really, really, and, and, and I will like actively put it on. Like I, I actually care to watch it now and again. So, all right, let's go to number eight. We're going to, we're going to try and, and run through these. So actually let's talk number eight and number seven. So, cause for you, number eight was insurrection. Number seven was first contact for me was insurrection. Uh, number eight was first contact and number seven was insurrection. So we right. kind of switched them around. Do you think that there is a broad divide between how good first contact is and how good insurrection is? Absolutely not. You catch me on a, oh, okay. here again. This is another case where if you catch me on a different day and I could easily switch these two. Okay. All right. Tell me this. Tell me the story with these. Like, um, I mean, I, I, I love them. 
I, I think mm-hmm. they're they're like being at seven to eight to me is not an insult, right? Uh, to these sure. to these movies at all. Uh, they're 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 both fantastic movies. Um, I I will be the first to admit that um, I did not appreciate Insurrection on the first viewing as much as I do today, mm-hmm. and that is I I will give full credit to Brian for kind of. <laughs> opening my eyes to really how good this movie is. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I like to call it my favorite next generation film, even though generations is further down on the list here uh, for me, even I th- actually, I think this is a movie that gets better. This, this is a fine wine of a film as in it gets better with time. And in fact, it gets better right now in 2021 um, because of, you know, a big part of star Trek is having a very positive outlook on technology a lot of Star Trek fans rip insurrection because they feel like it has a negative outlook on technology because of the way the Baku feel about it. Mm-hmm. But I think the Baku are more right now than they've ever been, uh, you know, in 2021 where we're at. Yeah. So I, to, to, to be completely fair, like, you know, the, the Baku, you know, settlement looks like very much like my kind of dream, you know, paradise. Precisely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also think that the film takes the time to get into some very, dare I say, esoteric, uh, areas for, for Star Trek where like they're basically slowing down time, which I get it to a lot of people. That's very weird, but that's also very Gene Roddenberry. Um, I wish they had done more with it actually. Yes. Yep. No, I agree with you. So yeah, I, I really like that film. Um, first contact. I mean, or do you think there's any negatives with insurrection? Um, I, I think in a lot of ways, uh, insurrection, not as bad as five, but suffers some from production values, mm-hmm. uh, deficiencies. Well, it's another movie where they, they did not hire ILM. They definitely cut costs. Yeah. 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 So, and it shows. Sure. Yeah. I, I won't disagree with that. Um, though, I mean, when Riker pulls out that manual stick, boy, I do love that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, anybody that that was spending their time with the logitech flight stick you know in the 90s you you were excited as shit when you found out you could fly the the enterprise with one which is Um, funny because they did the same thing in uh beyond yes that was another logitech flight stick as i recall yeah Yeah, that was great (laughs) oh man uh yes so (laughs) okay uh yeah I, i could hear that um i do think it had a lot of great character moments like i thought Worf was hilarious in the film um So was data. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it worked. Um, so first contact. Now this is for a lot of people, this is their top next generation movie. In fact, for a lot of people, this is their top star Trek film. Um, I think this makes number one on a lot of lists, uh, which blows my mind, but I get, I, I kind of get it anyway. Uh, I mean, tell me the positives, the negatives on this one, Rob. It's, it, I mean, I think it's a really good entertaining film. It's a good use of the Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, I know a lot of people have, you know, criticisms of introducing the board queen, yeah. but you know, uh, I think it paid off and especially in the future in Voyager you know, it paid off. Yeah. In right. Space, that's, that's, I agree. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is, is you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it opened up a lot of, uh, opportunities for future storytelling that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, you know, by the way, we did, we didn't mention it in Nemesis. It was cool to have Admiral Janeway. That was probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. So first contact, um, 
Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I I think it's great. Uh, yeah, sure, it's Moby Dick in space. Like I, I understand, you know, those kinds of arguments. Um, it's not. I don't really feel like. I mean, it's cool to find out what first contact actually looked like with the Vulcans and everything. That was mm-hmm. awesome. But I I don't feel like I don't. There's no real message. I don't think with the film, and I don't really get the anti revenge message either. Uh, and also, like flip side of that insurrection does have a message that's supposed to be about like kind of like the native Americans. That's fair. And, yeah. And, and I, and I, but I do think that they kind of forced that in, like it, it didn't exactly, I mean, P- Patrick Stewart acted it perfectly, but it, I don't know. I, with first contact, I, I just, the, there was no, there was nothing there that right. for, for well, me. I mean, first contact and, and your, your criticisms are, are really spot on. And, mm-hmm. and here again, I, I could very well, based on, you know, what you're saying, switch insurrection and first contact. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think that first contact really does have a message. Uh, it is just an entertaining movie, much yeah. like Star Trek 2009. Yes. Yep. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, but boy, uh, James Cromwell, fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was inspired casting. I love yes. him as Zephyr Cochran. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, you know, and, I never. And the scene where they're launching off and playing Magic Carpet, that was just. I, oh, I, I love awesome. that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I remember when I saw that and, in theater. Time. Yeah, yeah. And just yeah. like the scene where we're like, you know, Riker's really enjoying it. And, we're, <laughs> and, and Jordy's just going, like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know, all right, hold, all right, all right, all right. But, you know, Dude. Riker knows his 20th century music. So it's completely, yeah. you know, in character. Yes. So a couple things. Something I've noticed, because actually uh, Ellen and I have been rewatching The Next Generation lately. Riker, there's there's actually, I mean, there's a character there, you know, and we know like his tastes and things like this. But really, what Jonathan Frakes did was he was just the quiet facial reaction to everything happening on the Enterprise or or in the scene. Like, I feel like that's his actual, pre- because he's, when, when you watch the show, and all you're looking for is his facial reactions. He's fucking hilarious. He and he's not, he doesn't have to do anything. He just like has this look that like a grin and it's, oh, it's great. A perfect example is just, you know, like one of the early appearances of Q and, you know, Q snaps his finger and two beautiful women appear on either side of Riker. And he doesn't <laughs> say anything. It's just all in his facial reaction. And it's just like, it's so good. Yeah. Or, oh man. Like in uh, was it the the nth degree, the episode where where uh, Barkley, where he you know becomes super intelligent, mm-hmm. and he's hitting on Troy, and Troy's talking about how Barkley made a pass at her, and she's like, and it was a damn good one. Riker's <laughs> face, because at first Riker's like laughing that Barkley made a pass, and then she says, "Well, oh, it was a damn good one," and then Riker's face just suddenly like just goes totally solemn, like, "Wait, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's a better womanizer than me on the ship? No." <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, he is just dynamite for that. But yes, in the magic carpet ride scene, the look on his face, the grin is phenomenal. Uh, and, and it, and it just makes everybody in the theater smile. Um, yeah. So how do you feel about Jordy losing the, uh, the banana clip? Uh, I get it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you, when you sort of graduate, to to motion pictures, uh, I, I I would assume that there's a little bit more clout that the actors have. Sure. And uh, we all know that he was not particularly in love with that, you know, prop, mm-hmm. um, even though it was very iconic and and very much you know identified the character. But yeah, I I 
Well, I, I prefer the visor. I understand his, the reason for it going away, and it's not a bad one. Sure, and what they did, I thought, worked. Like, I mean, I'm with you. I, I wish he kept it. Um, but, you know, what they what they did worked, and I and I do right. get LeVar Burton's, you know, uh, uh, logic on it, and, that, and that's fine. So, um, all right, do we want to move on to number six? Yes. So number six for for me was generations, but we're going to save that conversation. Number six for you was the undiscovered country, uh, Star Trek six itself. Uh, what puts this at number six? Um, it's, it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. Um, number six here again, it's, it's not an insult uh, in any way. And, and really, if anything, I was just, this is the one I kind of struggled with giving a placing, um, Uh And I had to think about it, you know, and so I do put it up ahead of those two next generation movies, um, but not as good as the next one. So number six, you know, which is Star Trek six kind of had trouble finding its place in this list because it's not it's not great Star Trek, but it's pretty good Star Trek. Yeah, I think I always loved it because I feel like it gave you the deepest look into Starfleet. Um, and not only that, you actually had another ship besides the enterprise. Basically you had the Excelsior, you know, right. you had, and, right. and captain which, Sulu was great, which should have gotten its own series or a movie. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, I mean, George Takei is phenomenal, uh, as Sulu. And I mean, he, he almost steals the movie with star Trek six, in my opinion, yeah. Yeah. um, like he's so you get the emotion of every scene yeah. that he's in. Flyer apart. Yeah, flyer apart then, you know. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is just and even when you get the when you kind of get to relive those moments in the Voyager episode uh from season three, where they where two you find out Tuvok was actually there. Um, you know, and he has that great moment where he's just like, you know, if, if it's between me and the regulation or if it's between Captain Kirk and the regulations, will regulations be damned? And I'm like, yeah, baby, you know, I mean, yeah. he, was, he was so great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it just, it really had a great scale for me, which is why part of the reason I put it higher. The other reason I keep it higher is that this is a rare film, not just Star Trek for any movie. It's a very rare film that can make people in their sixties and seventies, badass action heroes, which I is no mean feat, uh, or no small feat, I should say, because I mean, other than like maybe the expendables, I can't think of a movie that did it this well where you have these characters this old and you totally buy that, you know, they're doing all, well, again, a lot of these action sequences, which you do get. Um, and it's a whodunit story, which are always a lot of fun. So, you know, that's, that's what puts it higher for me. Uh, but I, I hear you. So you're saying basically that you just didn't really know where to put this one because it's right. just kind of on par with everything. Is that? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there's, just, there's, there's other things that I put ahead of it. So sort of yeah. like, you know, uh, it, it was going to end up, uh, being behind my top five, mm-hmm. essentially. Sure, sure. And that's no, not I, an I, insult, you know, right. at all. Right. I think that I think that makes sense. So again, my number six was Generations. I'm going to talk about why that's number six when we talk about it for Rob. Um, so let's let's move on to number five. Number five for you was Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Biggest question on the list because again, this is my number one, and I'm not going to go into a tirade about it. But what puts us at number five for you? Um. I think we'll get into it with how much I like the next three. Okay. Is, is that it here again, it just, it kind of, it, it finds its place just behind my three favorite original series movies. 
Okay. So, so it's just, it's just that the, the next, uh, what, like, like three or four films are just that much better for you. Yeah. Or are yes. just that, yeah. 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 Okay. No, that's, that's fair. So, I mean, but you, but would you say you love this movie or like it? Yeah. Or? Oh yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I'm in here again. This is another one of those things where my appreciation has only grown for, you know, right. because of my friendship with you. Right on. <laughs> I love that. This is what I'm inspiring in people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, number one for me, uh, it's the most Star Trek to me. It's, it's the clear vision or the clearest vision I think of, of from Gene Roddenberry and particularly read the novelization. If one never has, uh, that's the best. I think the novelization of the motion picture is actually the best Star Trek ever done. Um, but that's, I'll leave it at that. Uh, so let's go to number four, which is, which I, I, I don't argue too much with this placement because for me, it was number five, uh, Star Trek for the voyage home, uh, for over a decade, this was actually the most financially successful Star Trek outing ever. Um, this was, I mean, this was a big, big movie in 1987. Uh, I don't think people realize how fucking big it was, but, um, or today, I don't think they realize so what's got this at number four for you? Um, so the next three movies, mm-hmm. I really, in a lot of ways, view as kind of like a complete set. It's what I call the Harv Bennett trilogy. Yep. And I, I can't, I just cannot separate these, you know, three movies. Like they all. No, they literally belong. take place one after the other. Yeah, yeah. They all belong together. Yes. They you are, know, not, they are not like not watching just, one film. Not not just in in sequence, but you know, as in, in ranking too. So like, I sure. kind of I put this is this is sort of like, you know, it, and here again, no insult, but this is like the 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 lowest movie on, you know, that the trilogy. Bennett trilogy. Yes, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Like, you're you're going to get no argument from me on this. I think that that's a fine way of just as soon as you said it that way, I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, so I guess let's talk about, should we talk about all three of them then? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Voyage yeah. Home. So, yeah, so you have Wrath of Khan, Search, of Spock, uh, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home. All three of these, again, they literally do occur back to back, and they right. were done right, unlike, say, right. the Star Wars sequel trilogy, uh, you know, which was trying to be kind of back to back as well. Um, and And brings, like, to the point that at the end of four, there's actually resolution to the entire story, you know, where right. Kirk is, you know, demoted from Admiral and, you know, becomes the captain again, and we won't go away in the one seven Oh one a. Um, so, I mean, j- just, you know, if you want like, actually I'm, I'm intrigued that Star Trek two is at number three and not number two for a lot of people. This is the number one Star Trek movie is Star Trek two. Why is Star Trek two? Not your number one. Uh, it was for the longest time. I remember mm-hmm. I would say, you know, back in back in the 80s, uh, you know, before Star Trek Next Generation came along, undoubtedly Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan would have been a, my number one. It's exciting. Um, it is. It really. I mean, yeah, it's it here again. It's it's a good movie. It's I think, you know, some people like, you know, argue that it's not really Star Trek. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think it is good Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and and part of Star Trek is having good villains. Yes, and that that's going to come up later, um, but yeah, yeah. I the the reason I put Star Trek three ahead of it is, is it's um, it, it has a better message. Oh, yes, yes. Because Star Trek two has one of the biggest problems in Star Trek, which is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Right. Horse shit, horse shit, and 
And like the idea that, oh, you got to save the masses. You got to save Starfleet, blah, blah, blah. As to where Star Trek three says the exact opposite. No, friends are what matter. Families, what matter Well, you know, friends and family kind of same concept, but you know, like your, 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 your relationships are what matter, not Starfleet. Um, and individualism, the, the needs of the one do outweigh the needs of the many. Right, and I, right. oh, it's a dynamite message. And, and Star Trek, Star Trek two is good military fiction. And yeah. I understand that that's why some people enjoy Star Trek was for the military aspect. And sure. this movie probably does a better job of it, uh, than anything else other than say, probably the undiscovered country. Right. But Both done by not, Nick Meyer, by the way. Right. right. But this is not. You know, the, I, I disagree that, that, that this is not what makes Star Trek great, mm-hmm. is the military aspects of it. Uh, so here again, that's, that's why it gets placed behind Star Trek Three, is because it's all about rebelling against authority. Yes. It's all about, you know, uh, respecting and, and recognizing the, the importance of the individual. Yeah, I feel like Star Trek Three and Star Trek Insurrection both basically hold Star Trek's highest ethical ground. Where, you know, you know, it's about the human condition. Yes. But like, and the human condition comes down to the individual. Uh, and that, that's, that's such a needed message. I don't know who thought of making sure that that was the point after Star Trek two, but boy, am I glad that they did. Um, and, cause I go ahead. And the scene where they're stealing enterprise, probably mm. downright the, the most phenomenal cinematic scene in any Star Trek movie ever. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I mean, when, when the, <laughs> when the head of the Excelsior, it's like, if you think, you know, uh, or, or basically says, you know, you do this Kirk, you'll never sit in the captain's chair again. And Kirk just says warp speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that, yeah. It's just, it's as good as it gets. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I think the only thing that could have been like better is if they ever made ashes of Eden, the William Shatner novel into a movie. Uh, because that kind of plays up the same thing. Uh, a lot of the messages of star Trek three. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally in agreement with you on this, you know, with the Harv Bennett trilogy being this early on. Um, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in this trilogy that still has, you know, uh, potential to be mine. You know, I'm thinking specifically Mm -hmm. of like, you know, the, the probe from the voyage home. It was a great um, novel probe. Uh, right. I know. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, and that's what I'm, but you know, the, 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 really the, the, the novels are a niche thing. Yes. And they're, they're, they're beta canon. So, I mean, yep. um, I, w- I would love to see more of, you know, whatever race it was that created that probe, you know, in live action. Yeah, I agree. Um, we really don't get enough of that in Star Trek. We we encounter often these wildly powerful beings like, I mean, Q or the probe or whatever, but I don't feel like we often get, usually they end up being villainous and we never get to encounter them as a friendly force, right. you know, or an ally to the Federation. Right. And that, I always feel like that's such a shame. It uh, is. That, well, that it's the same happen. thing with the, with the motion picture. Because, yeah. I mean, you don't know the race that, you know, created or, or you know, modified uh, uh, Voyager 6. Um, right. Uh, but there, I mean, but from ahead. what we can ascertain that we, you know, throughout the movie is that the intent of this, you know, uh, cybernetic or, you know, uh, uh, robotic race is, is that their intentions were not to be, you know, destructive or harmful. Right. They're benign. Uh, yeah. in fact, if anything, apathetic, uh, almost, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gene Roddenberry, well, I mean, even, even, even benevolent to the point that, you know, yeah. they, they, 
would find, you know, the technology of another race that they had had no previous contact with and treat it like an individual. Yes. And yeah. elevate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Gene Ronberry has come out and said that it could, and he specifically said could have been um, the Borg, but I don't you know, like that. Sure. No, I, that, that's fair. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen that get explored more. I, I think that would have been fantastic. Um, anyway, Let's get on to, you know, you know, what I think we might do, Rob, maybe for the next episode, we'll do another ranking where we'll, we'll do the TV shows then. What do you think? That sounds good. All right, we'll do that. But let's, so let's get to number one for the movies and then we'll wrap this one up. Um, so you're number one <laughs> beyond all amazement no, no, uh, is, is Star Trek Generations. Yes. Um, Okay, so so I'm I'm gonna. Do you want to start off with the positives, or do you want me to hit a couple negatives? There's negatives to this movie. Oh, I, I think there's a big one. Uh, see, the more people hate it, the more I love it. So, <laughs> so, you know, throw it at me. All right, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, actually, because I would love to hear why you think this is okay. Um, I think I the the biggest problem I have with it is I think that I thought Kirk's death was was cheap. I didn't think the setup was cheap. I just thought that like the moment, the, oh my, just didn't land. It, it just, it, I felt like that character deserved more. It's part of the reason I love the Shatner novels so much because Kirk basically comes back, but yeah, that I, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It was not, uh, uh, I would agree that it's not a well-delivered, you know, scene, uh, well-acted, mm -hmm. um, because I'm pretty sure that he didn't want to do it. If it was up to William Shatner, Kirk would never, ever, ever, ever die. He would be yeah. an immortal. Yeah. And, and, and I can, you know, a lot of people want to talk about how Shatner had like really, you know, dictatorial control on set. Uh, I know for a fact that wasn't true on generations because, um, I saw Walter when I was a kid, one of the first conventions I ever went to, well, I saw Walter Koenig, uh, you know, who played Chekhov and he talked about it. He said on the set of generations was the first time he ever told William Shatner off. And because William Shatner told him, hey, maybe you should try acting it like this. And Walter Koenig turned to him and just said, no. <laughs> and, and he never did that before. So clearly, William Shatner didn't always get his way on that set. Right. Um, that, that, that's for sure. But I, well, he, 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 there was a certain scene that, that was cut from the movie, too, that I'm sure he was probably not too happy about. Where oh, the orbital jump. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is basically just, you know, Star Trek V, Kirk showing off all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would have been a good scene because when you read the novel for generations, like it is, it is in his head, it's actually a very powerful scene. Um, basically he's, he's almost like he's dealing with the fact that it seems like he can't die. And I feel like that would have added more to the death that does happen is if like at the beginning of the film, he's feeling like, Oh, fucking immortal, you know, but then he does die. Like it really would have, it would have, there would have been some dramatic weight, but I hear that. Um, so, all right. So I'm just going to bring up a couple other quick points on this. And okay. then I want to hear, I want to hear the love. Okay. And the second one is that I don't know how much I liked data um, getting emotions. So disagree. <laughs> so disagree. He's so funny in this movie. He is. It's, it's hilarious. I, I mean, it is, it is hilarious, but overall, and I think I'm speaking more for the entire corpus of next generation films. I don't know how much that added to the character as to where I feel like it might've taken away, uh, 
you know, so it's not because in generations, I agree. He's hilarious. I mean, the oh shit, the life form song, you know, like all that stuff, you know, the magnetic personality, hilarious, right? Um, even Mr. Tricorder was funny. Yes, Mr. Tricorder is fantastic. I still do that with my little tricorder that I have. That's so beautiful. Um, okay, so so I get that, but I think in the end, it kind of took away from the character. Now, this is going to bring up, I'm just going to quickly bring up why Generations was number six for me. Uh, I don't know how much... So, and this is a point I actually wrote in our notes. If all good things was an, a next generation movie, it would have been the best next generation. Yes, movie. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect ending to the series. And I know we're not the first ones to say that. Um, but I think it's a perfect ending to that, to, to that story, not just the series to that story. Um, I never, I, I let, you know, I, I dare say I love the next generation films, but then at the same time, like, I don't think that the next generation ever translated to the big screen as well as the original series cast did. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that they, it just, it doesn't, I don't know. It, it, it didn't translate. Like it never really felt bigger. Like people would, would levy against insurrection. They would say that, well, it felt like an episode of star Trek or star Trek, the next generation would have been a great episode. And I was like, Oh, that's why I love that damn thing. You know, because it felt like an episode of the next generation instead of a movie. Um, but that's, that's kind of my opinion. That's why I put it at number six because yeah, it has the big stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't feel that at all. Um, wow. Okay. I, I, I really think that, you know, this movie has, I thought the cinematography on this movie was fantastic. Yeah. It, not, yeah. Yes. I mean, yep. and, and the soundtrack beautiful was film. the, the, the soundtrack, you know, um, um, Dennis McCarthy, I think he mm-hmm. like, you know, he did a lot of the next generation soundtrack, but I think he really just took it up to 11 with this yes. movie and it's yeah. phenomenal. I love the soundtrack to this movie. I still have the CD and one mm-hmm. of the, the, if, if you don't have it, one of the great things they added on to the end of that uh, CD was the sound effects from the movie. Yes. Which like, if you ever need like great Star Trek sound effects, just go pick up the Star Trek Generations soundtrack. I use them all the time <laughs> <laughs> from that very soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. It, I just, just great. Um, and, and like the, the production values for me were all there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they subtly changed the way that the enterprise D looked. And I think it looks it's beautiful to me. Yes. Uh, the, the, the warmer tones really the sunlight work. coming in. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the, the astrometrics lab. I mean, Gorgeous set. Yeah. I can only imagine what they, you know, they learned from that movie what to do with Voyager because Voyager got an actual astrometric drives wasn't yep. as fantastic looking as the one in generations, but they learned how cool and important that set could be. Yes. To the narrative. Right. Yeah. And it was basically a preview of Patrick Stewart being in Cerebro. So, (laughs) 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 but yes, but I mean, who wouldn't love to have like a computer set up like that? Oh, it's it's, it's, wrap around, you know, monitor. They showed that in the trailer, like I think multiple times, like they showed, because it does look that amazing, especially in 1994. Um, yeah, I agree that that's, it's a beautiful set. Now, it, see, that's the thing. It's a gorgeous film. Um, 
I just don't, I don't feel like the guard ever changed in theaters, but I, but I'm with you that it's a Here's another thing that you like, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on, but I, I'm holding to this is, is that, uh, you know, Soren Malcolm McDowell was a con level villain. I I, I love Malcolm McDowell. Uh, I mean, Admiral Tolan, give it to me all day. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that. I, I thought he did like you and you can, you know, if not empathize, at least understand his motivations for committing these atrocities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just like his, and his delivery was just like that, that casting was just in such an inspired, you know, choice. And, you know, when, uh, you know, when, when Soren says to Picard, you know, time is the fire in which we all burn. That was just Mm -hmm. delivered so well. And, and between the, the chemistry between Patrick Stewart and Malcolm Dell was fantastic. And I think part of it has to do with like, I'm sure they have some mutual respect in terms of both being Shakespearean actors. Yes. And it was, it was like watching Shakespeare, you know, in Star Trek again, which was, you know, a theme that has been going through, you know, the, the Star Trek movies, you know, like in Nicholas Meyer, who we mentioned before, takes great inspiration from Shakespeare. So I think in that way, the movie definitely translates to the cinematic level of the original series movies. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree. I think he's a fantastic villain and one of the top Star Trek villains. Um, and basically Malcolm McDowell has the unique distinction of taking on Patrick Stewart, William Shatner and Mark Hamill. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you took on all of science fiction's heavy hitters. You can't get a bigger baddie than, <laughs> you know, than that. Uh, so, and, and this is definitely his best work. And I mean this seriously outside of wing commander. Uh, I mean, he was just totally, totally, you know, no pun intended on fire. Um, in this movie and absolutely captivating. And they, they made great use of Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, Diamond oh, yeah. was awesome in this. Yes, she was. And, and the, here, another character that like sadly did not show up in mm-hmm. any of the other Star Trek movies. I mean, like I think Whoopi would have had a, a great role to play in insurrection and sadly they didn't bring her in. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been really interesting to be a sounding board to Picard during the events of insurrection. That would have right. been really cool because she's yeah. been there before when talking about big subjects like slavery and other things, right. and human survival. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, you know, Guinan is Picard's conscience. Yes, absolutely. And she plays that role phenomenally in this movie. Maybe that's, you know, maybe she, maybe that was on, I, I didn't think about it until you brought or until we we're talking about this now. I think missing her. Like, because she seemed in the, in the next generation, she was there after season one, she was there to play off of the big moments, you know, and be that sounding board for Picard. And you're getting these big events happening in these next gen movies. And she's never there. Right. Uh, and it doesn't like, why, feel why right. Why is an absent from, from, uh, first contact? Oh, I mean, she should, people were, were destroyed by the Borg. I mean, yeah. That would have been a great revenge story was like for her to have right. to pull back. Right. You know, to pull like herself back right. and Picard. She sees, yeah, she sees the way that Picard is reacting and he's getting a little crazy. Oh, oh this would have been a great movie. Fucking A. Man. See, and then you could have really had the moral tale because you would have had, I mean, Alfred Woodard's great. Or is that the gal that played? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's Alfie Woodard. I'm trying to remember who played the Borg Queen. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, if you're looking up great, but Alfre Woodard was, is, is a top notch actress. Uh, she was great in that. Okay. Um, but Guinan would have made that movie and you definitely would have had the morality tale 
there, which is what Star Trek's really all about. Um, ah, man, what a, what a shame. Oh, Al, was it was Alice Krieg. Yeah. That, that's who played the board queen. Right. There. Right. I got it. it. Took me a second folks. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah. So I think that if there's a great next generation movie, I think it's generations. Um, yes. and, and I feel like my opinions kind of changed on that. And I don't know, maybe you've influenced me there somehow, but, but that, you know, I wrote my list before you saw it and before I saw yours, you right. know, so maybe it's something subconscious, but regardless, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you that I think generations is one of the top films. Um, but that's why all the other, the and, reason it was number six for me is because I don't think it can be better than any original series film, but it sure as fuck better than everything that came after. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I just, I love it so much. I, I can't, mm. you know, like, and part of it is just an emotional reaction to it. I just, I love watching this movie. Like if, if I'm having a bad day and I want to watch really good Star Trek, you mm-hmm. know, that's just two hours, you know, like generations is it. I've probably watched that more than, uh, any other Star Trek next generation movie that's out it's- there. It's good comfort food for it, sure. It is. It is really good. I, and, and you know, uh, getting, and, and that opening scene with the enterprise, like it just, it, it, it it's, it totally throws you for a loop. Like, cause the movie oh, starts the out spinning? with this bottle spinning in yeah. space and you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what is this all about? Yeah. And then you see it smash against the hole. But like, that was just a really great introduction to that ship. Yes. Her captain, obviously, left a lot to be desired, but you know, I, the point was, was to make, you know, Captain Kirk shine yes. in that scene. Yeah. So like he, he played his purpose, you know, narratively. Yeah, no, narr- I think it's a great narrative that, that opening because Captain Harriman basically like he gets a lesson inside of 15 minutes. Right. You know, it's like, no, you're the captain, you know, this is what you, you got to live up to this or this is what you've got to be. And right. he gets to see it, you know, right. and um, it would be great here again if they took that and ran with it in some other part of Star Trek where we get to see him again. Oh, I'd love an Enterprise B series. I'd take that any day uh, as long as, you know, some dipshit isn't writing it. Uh, <laughs> 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 Kurtzman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. Um I mean, I think this you, movie, go ahead. I think this movie gets really unfairly panned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I, and, and I think a lot of people, their hatred of it does come from the fact that Kirk dies in this movie. And I think that's the only reason why they don't give it the credit that it's due. I mean, I will say, I think if, if Kirk died better in it, it, it I think it would have been a, a more well-received film. I don't think a lot of people credit or complain about Malcolm McDowell revealing early on that he kills Kirk. I don't think that ruined anything. I, yeah, um, I don't get that. I, yeah, I don't, I don't get any criticism about Malcolm DeBell, uh, McDowell in this movie. Um, some people thought he was too over the top. Those people are ridiculous. Yes. I, yeah, I agree. In fact, I think if he didn't say it, I think that when Kirk does die in the film, I think most people would have walked out of that film saying, Oh no, Kirk didn't die. You know, like, like you needed to confirm it before they went into theaters, I think, for it to even have a meaningful impact. Um, and you're, cause you're actually really wanting to see it or not wanting it to happen, but you're wanting to see it happen. 
Um, how's it going to go down? But I, I, I do think they dropped the ball on that. I don't know if they did it. If it did a great, if they off that character in a great way, that movie could be my number one as well. I'll say that much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still just like in, 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 in my head cannon or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think you would, would have had to have more cooperation from William Shatner. And I just don't think he would ever be able to do, to, to deliver that mm. in any meaningful world because he doesn't want the character to die ever. I mean, just look at the number of novels he wrote where the oh, character comes so back. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that he obviously had an issue with the yeah. character dying. So yeah. it could just, it could never be pulled off realistically with that actor. All right. So I, I know we got to wrap the show up. I, I want to toss this, this little, little thought bomb on you here. Okay. How would you have reacted if they killed off Patrick Stewart <laughs> and Kirk takes over the enterprise? That would be weird. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like if the, but it I'm, I'm sure if they, if they wrote it in, in a great way and it was really well acted, I could, I could, you know, I could accept it. But, um, I mean, certainly that would have played into William Shatner's ego a, a lot more <laughs> than being killed off the way he was killed off. I would, the, the scenes between him and data alone would have been amazing in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, like well, I, I would and, love and, to see it. And, 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 and it would have, you know, eliminated the possibility for any kind of later shit fan fiction. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Star Trek Picard. Uh, uh, sorry, I sneezed. So the, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and a crusher Kirk relationship. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I respect that decision. I think it's a bold decision to say that, that generations is the best, but also I, I totally accept your reasons. Um, like I, I think they make sense. Uh, and like I said, I definitely think it's the best next generation film, um, you know, by, by leaps and bounds actually. Uh, so even though, you know, I love insurrection, but yeah. Well, I will, I would say, say this, you know, the hard Bennett trilogy, if it really was just one six hour movie, mm -hmm. it would probably edge out generations, but it's not, it's three different movies. So yeah. Yeah. It could be like Zack Snyder's justice league it could be the four hour <laughs> Harv Bennett star Trek. <laughs> oh man. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, so we were originally going to get into the, uh, uh, to the TV show ranking, but I think we got to save that. It's a big conversation to have. Yeah. And, uh, we've already been going some, some distance here. So we're going to save that for the next episode, which is going to come a lot faster than you think. Uh, but, um, we'll make that happen. And Rob, I don't know. I just thought this was a ton of fun and I love getting your insights, um, you know, on, on the Star Trek films in general. And I think you've had the most varied list that I've seen or varied as in, like different than what anybody else would choose than just about any other ranking I've seen of these films. So well, I, I take that as a compliment. Thank you. It is it truly is. Uh, I mean, I, I always like a good original, you know, you, you, people get commendations for original thinking, right? Isn't that what, that's what we were saying earlier? <laughs> so you're not expelled. You did great on the test. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it is almost Kobayashi Maru. How do you say what, you know, especially with, 
pre-discovery Star Trek. How do you say what's the best? Like it's all yeah. the best shit ever made, you know, in many ways. So well, I, gotta uh, tell anyway. you, I mean, you know, like what inspired this, you know, we were talking about the, the Trek expertise, uh, YouTube mm-hmm. channel. I mean, he put generations at number two. That's a good point. He did, didn't he? Yeah. And all the things that he said about it, I, I completely agree with it. I mean, like it just, I mean, yeah, like, and his list is actually, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of disagree with it. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, uh, other than nemesis being at number eight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm, if uh, I'm going to try to remember, I will link to the Trek expertise ranking uh, in, in the show notes for this episode. Okay. Uh, really one final question. If galaxy quest were technically a star Trek movie, where would you put, where would you rank that? That's tough. That's it. I know it's like, up there. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be up like there. top three. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I, mm, I mean, uh, you'd be really great if, 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 if they, they could have just done galaxy quest and actually had like William Shatner and the yeah. star Trek crew, like as themselves. Yes. The actors. Yes. That would have been awesome. Um, yeah, I mean that that's just great Star Trek straight up. Uh <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, I I'd put it top 3. So, anyway, um I think that is it for this episode of Tie Fighter Renegades. More to come very soon and you know some of what we're going to be talking about, but who knows what's going to drop online before then. So, uh we'll wrap this one up uh for Rob and Brian here. We will see all of you woo on the other side. Oops. Fuck. Fuck. Hold on. (laughs) What did Skype just do? It turned the chat into the big window. Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, 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 no worries, man. That's all Skype. And it's just because this is the only time I ever use it. (laughs) Well, come on. We, we know it's really just the shirt. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. It's the fucking bad luck shirt. Bitch. (laughs) 